This is Brain Diet, episode 207, The Balance of Health with Nikki Jensen. I love so much focusing on the food we feed our body, but I love even more focusing on the stuff we feed our brain. My name is Taylor Ann Macy, and I am a certified life coach. Welcome to Brain Diet, where we feed your brain the best information. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the podcast. Today, I am coming at you with a conversation with Nikki Jensen. She is a holistic nutritionist, and we really dove deep into her mantra, how she lives. She describes it as intentional living. And we had such a great conversation talking about what that means. And I think it's especially powerful because so many of the things we touched on really apply to women in general as a whole in society today. And so I think it's a great episode to listen to, to empower yourself, to also give yourself some grace and to just learn how to really learn, really love yourself more. Now with that, I am going to extend a trigger warning. We do discuss eating disorders. Nikki shares her experience with one going through treatment. And I share a few bits of bits and pieces about my own experience. And I know that that can be, it's a very sensitive topic. And wherever anyone is in their health journey, there often can be things that are triggering that might lead to some painful emotions and painful thoughts and feelings overall. And so if you feel like you are in an emotional space, if you're in a sensitive space and are a little bit worried about listening to talk of eating disorders, it's it's in a very positive light. And I think there was so much uh, love with which we we talked about it and and kind of went over some of some of our thoughts about it. But just keep that in mind. If that's something that's sensitive to you, then maybe skip this episode. That's totally okay. Otherwise, I am really excited to share this conversation with you. It was such a great one for me to be a part of. I felt just uplifted, and she just reminded me how powerful women are when they support and love one another. So with that, I'm going to share this episode with you. I can't wait for you to hear it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the podcast. I am so excited to be sitting here today with my friend, Nikki Jensen. Nikki, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I truly feel honored to be here. I just am so excited that we've connected and are able to sit down and have this conversation. Let's begin with an introduction to you. How do you like to introduce yourself? No, that is great. So introduction to me, you know, I was thinking about that a lot lately of how we're all so multifaceted and depending on the conversation, I could introduce myself in multiple different ways. So true. I, yeah, I am a, an avid wellness guru. I would say I love holistic wellness. I'm a holistic nutritionist, health coach, I train people. Um, I love all things, fitness, mindset, mindfulness, So in a summary of that, I would say I am a wellness um, student of life. Yeah, I I think that's such a great description. And to use the word student, I saw this thing today that was like, own the fact that sometimes you can change your mind about things when you learn new information. And I'm like, man, if that isn't, especially the state of like health information online right now, it's like, 
You have to be so intentional with what you learn. And sometimes like you are able to look at enough data and say, you know what, I need to change my mind on this because I once thought something and now different because I've learned something new. So I love that. I think student Mm -hmm. is such a good word. Yeah. Yeah. I I was thinking about that the other day. So the last couple of years, one of my favorite quotes has been by Maya Angelou. She says, do the best you can until you know better and then do better. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of us, especially as women, it's like, oh, if I would have just known that or like, oh, now I know this. And we kind of look back and we're so hard on ourselves. And so that, that quote I love because it talks about that dichotomy of loving yourself where you're at, but also doing the best you can, but just like accepting, okay, like now I know better. So I love that. That's how I've tried to live my life. Yeah, I love um, it. Yeah, with nutrition, with nutrition stuff, especially, I know it's so confusing out there right now of, I remember when I was, I got my undergrad in health science and I remember sitting in nutrition classes and my professor was like, coconut oil, egg yolks, all those things are like the worst possible things for you. And now research is like, oh, actually those are good for you, you know? And, and even now, like they're debunking coconut oil a little bit, you know? So it kind of depends on what you read. And so, um, so yeah, I, it's confusing for the consumer out there. (laughs) I, I was thinking about that same thing because I did a similar undergrad and it's one thing to like see an Instagram post that's something that, you know, is just factually untrue, but it makes me kind of sad that it's like, we've had those times where we've been sitting like in a college setting where that's supposed to be like one of the, the, the echelon of education, right. Of, of, of getting Mm -hmm. all of the knowledge that you could need. And granted, I I think a lot of it is data-based, right. But it's just an interesting thing. And it really goes to show that nutrition is such an infantile science relative to like other sciences that have been studied for thousands of years. And so we're constantly learning, new things that I think is so good. Uh, What I want to ask you is when you talk about holistic health, tell me what that means to you. I think some people have ideas, but what does that mean to you? For sure. So if you would have asked me a few years ago, I would have said being healthy is all about mindset, movement, and nutrition and those things. Um, I recently went through a divorce a couple of years ago and realized I thought that I was really good at validating my emotions, but I realized I was just sweeping things underneath the rug and that I didn't actually deal with my emotions really at all. And so definitely emotional regulation is one of those. And then I would also say spiritual purpose and then social connection. So kind of those six pillars are what I really love. Um, so you have your physical body, your mindset, your emotions, and then your soul. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is, again, one of the things on social media that can get so disjointed is we just see someone doing an exercise or showing what they eat in a day. And and we're missing so many other components that contribute to a person's wellness. If someone came to you and said, I want to become more well, I want to be more holistic mm-hmm. in my health, where would you direct them to start? Yeah, that's a great question. So first of all, I would say a lot of times people start by hating themselves into it. They think if I could just get this body, I would be so much happier. If I could just eat perfectly, I would be so much happier. And so I think first and foremost, debunking that for them of it starts with loving yourself where you are, because you're never going to hate yourself into a great body. You can potentially do that but then you're going to find yourself the exact same place, technically speaking, like from the inside as you were when you started. And so I think just learning that self-acceptance of I am worthy now of 
all the things and I'm worthy of loving myself. And then the irony behind that is that actually helps you hit your goals further and faster. So there's a book called The Happiness Advantage that I absolutely love. And he talks a lot about that concept of a lot of times people think like, oh, I'll be happy when. And I, I was totally guilty of this. I remember when I was younger, especially I'm like, oh, I'll be happier when I'm 16 and I can date and I can drive and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you kind of like wish your life away a little bit. And I actually just heard a woman say that the other day to me, we were talking about sitting in a hot tub and she was like, well, I'll be, I'll, I'll be okay sitting in a hot tub and getting in a swimsuit once I lose this 20 pounds. I'm like, oh, you're missing out on life right now, you know? And, and so I think it's one first and foremost, kind of doing some of that, like, inner work of loving yourself where you are. And then I would say it starts after that with the body. So I always say like one of my favorite phrases is your body is the vehicle for your mind and soul. And so if your body is like not regulated at all, then that is the first place to start. So I, I love lifting weights. So I always tell people like to build your confidence. That's a great way to just And you don't have to go to a gym. You can do it at home. You can do like follow like a 10 minute YouTube video, but start somewhere and something is better than nothing. So if you're working with a trainer or you're working with a health coach, or you're just kind of following along your own little, you know, um, accountability group with yourself or your spouse or your friend, um, that's a great, great place to start is just do some sort of movement and weightlifting is great. Um, but even if it's just a walk, that's that's also great too, just to start. Uh, and that actually helps. I mean, there's so much research out there. Like I could quote so many science-based articles about how even just a walk helps your mindset, helps like physically helps your body. And so again, kind of just to reiterate, starting with first accepting yourself and saying, I am worthy now and kind of like defining yourself as that person that can and then starting with the body and getting doing some sort of movement. I love that. I am curious because I know I have fallen into this category and I know we were talking before we hit record about the all or nothing mentality that I think plagues mm. so many women mm-hmm. in particular when it comes to their health and their appearance and their weight and all of the things. And something that I have, you know, taught consistently over the years on the podcast and otherwise with clients and all the things is how really health is an accumulation of a a lot of little things, something like a walk, something like, you know, Mm -hmm. adding a few extra vegetables or it's, it's small measures that can really contribute overall to a grand change in health. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm curious is what I'm curious about is how would you approach someone that has some of that all or nothing thinking that it's like, well, a walk's not going to make a difference. Well, you know, adding a few extra vegetables Mm -hmm. isn't going to make a difference. It needs to be like everything all at once or nothing. I'm off the wagon kind of thing. Mm -hmm. No, that's a great question. And I will say I've definitely been guilty of that, especially when I was younger of, okay, if I can't get this two hour workout in, it's not beneficial. Totally. Totally. And honestly, I think understanding the science of it has actually helped me a ton of, wow, this 10 minute walk actually really does something for me. And so I think it's also just giving yourself that grace of doing what you can and kind of accepting where you are and knowing, knowing that small things do lead to big things and you have to start somewhere um, is I think really, really powerful. And so I would just say 
to the people who do have that all or nothing mentality of just maybe doing a little bit of research on, you know, if, if a walk is all you can do, looking at the benefits, like the scientific benefits of doing a 10 minute walk three times a week. And then me knowing that, like me understanding that, like the deep why behind it, it, it's a no brainer for me. Like I, when I'm feeling like, so actually, for example, this last weekend, I was not feeling great. I was on my period. I was just like, have kind of bad cramps a little bit and just like feeling blah. But I knew if I just did like, for me personally, if I did light movement and I went to the gym and I did a little bit of yoga and I walked, like, I know that that helps me. I've had the experience of it, but that was the last thing that my body wanted to do. So a lot of times like the, the very, very avid self-love gurus out there will be like, listen to your body. And I agree with that to a certain extent. But there are times when I know what's best for my body and my body is telling me the opposite, you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm Mm -hmm. tired. Like, I want to sleep in, you know? And so I think there's kind of that dichotomy of like, if you understand and know the science behind it, that's actually really helpful because you do need to push through sometimes. I won't say all the time. I do think you do need to listen to your body at times. And so it's, it's kind of just understanding what works for you. And I think that's, that's the interesting thing about the health world is I have definitely been guilty of, oh, I have to listen to all these podcasts and I have to read all these books and I have to work out and I have to do Pilates and I have, you know, and, and that's enough to like spiral you out of control. Right. And so, and that's the irony of the health world, the self-help world. Like you can go down the rabbit holes and I have been guilty of this for Mm -hmm. sure. Of It gets to be where it's actually doing the opposite for you. And so I've learned for myself However, it's taken me years and years and years for me personally to get to this point of of doing the things that I can and then kind of like letting go in the end and just being like, okay, that, that is health to me because the whole point of doing all of this, when you take a step back, it is about connecting with ourselves, connecting with other people. And if you're so busy listening to the podcast and like doing, 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 going, 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 that that makes you miss out on your life, um, then I think that's, you're kind of missing the whole point. And again, like I've been guilty of that. Like I found myself when I was deep in the fitness competition world, which is great. Like I learned so much, but I kind of had to take a step back and be like, okay, why am I doing this? Like I can't, for me personally, I couldn't live like a normal life. I'm so proud of so many of those things, but I was kind of like, okay, the whole point of this is that I can connect to people. And I'm like, kind of actually doing this right now to run away from myself. And so I had to just kind of like give myself grace and really focus on my intention behind why I was doing all of these things. I love that answer. And I want to speak to two of your points because I think they deserve some emphasis here. And the first is focusing on the the science, the data of certain behaviors and of certain lifestyle mm-hmm. habits And I think what's so beautiful about doing that is science and data, it's it's all very neutral, right? It's it's very Mm -hmm. um, non-emotional. And when we can look at it that way, I think it's a great strategy to be able to get out of that like 
all or nothing perfectionistic mindset and just say, oh, here's some neutral science that says if I take a walk, you know, it might help my digestion. It might ease some joint pain. It might Mm -hmm. help clear some brain fog because then from that point, it's so much less of I'm a better person if I do this. I'm more worthy if I do this. And this little effort is a way of caring for this vessel, this body that I have. And so I love that strategy. And it's something that I learned to do with food. And it's something that I do with my kids a long time ago is to just talk about mm-hmm. like, the function of food in the body, right? So like mm-hmm. orange foods yes. help your eyes see in the dark, right? When I think about it that way, I'm like, sure, I'll throw some carrots onto the plate, even if it's not like a ton or if it's not the perfect meal. It's like, well, because that just helps my eyes see in the dark a little better. And I'm, that sounds like a good thing mm-hmm. to me, right? When you look at it from more of a, a scientific point, it. I don't know. It just takes a lot of the emotion out of it. So I, I, I want to just emphasize what you said there that to look more from a scientific perspective, I think is so helpful in helping us get away from that, like all or nothing mindset. And then the other thing I wanted to speak to yes. the idea of self-care is sometimes doing things that are difficult for us in the moment. Right. And mm-hmm. it is such a balance of doing the things that you know will benefit yourself in the future, even if now it's a little bit uncomfortable. And it's really interesting to see how some people do take the idea of like caring for your body as doing whatever I want, whatever feels good in the moment. And I think there's a place for that. But I I also think it's, Mm -hmm. it's having some structure, having some, um, having the ability to say, I can be a little bit uncomfortable now for the sake of who I want to be in the future. And I think that again, just deserves some some emphasis. So I, I so appreciate those points. Yeah, no, thanks. I no, I love that. And I think I was definitely super heavy on what I call like the grit side of things where it was like, wake up at 4am, work out, work. And I was just running myself into the ground and I did not listen to my body at all. And so, and then I kind of like swung my pendulum over and was like, okay, I'm going to listen to my body. And And so it is like that, that balance. But again, for me, it comes back to intention of doing things out of, out of love for yourself. And it's just kind of, it's like raising kids, right? Like if you love your kids, uh, it's actually not in their best interest to give them everything that they want, right? That's not teaching them. It's not like helping them become disciplined. And so I think a lot of it is we, the way we speak to ourselves, the way we validate our emotions, the way we treat our body. Some of it's like, geez, would I, would I treat my friend like this? Would I treat my child like this? And so, um, you know, we as women, uh, especially sometimes think uh, being the self-sacrificer, the martyr of just, um, you know, giving up all of these things is so altruistic for everyone else. And the paradox of that which is so fascinating to me is then it ends up making it so you can't show up as well. And so, but again, there is that balance between what is, what is self-care versus selfishness. And I think that's what a lot of us kind of struggle with, especially if we're raised kind of in like the good girl mentality of no, to be good, I need to do these things perfectly and, and like give myself. (laughs) And so, um, so yeah, I found myself just kind of uh, in this place where it's like, well, wait, hold on. Like I, <laughs> I forgot myself. I'm like serving, 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 doing, 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 and giving my energy away so much 
that I don't have anything left for myself. It's so true. And one thing that I am curious to get your thoughts on is as we talk about the idea that we have self-hatred that can be driving a lot of our behaviors, how would you help someone identify? Like how could one go about identifying whether or not they have that type of like self-hatred present? Because I think sometimes it feels so much apart. And I have my own ideas, of course, but I'm just so curious to pick your brain on it. Mm-hmm. Um, Because I think it can be so much, it can feel so much a part of who we are that it can be hard to separate it as right. a habit versus like just a part of who we are. How would you help someone identify if they had the presence of self-hatred? Yeah, that's a great question. So I always, I love the term I get to. So if, if you're saying, if, if you kind of like take a step back and our minds are really fascinating. I know you've studied this a lot of just our, our self-talk and, um, you know, kind of our subconscious self. And so a lot of times, like I would find myself like, oh, I have to work out. And it was like, I have to, like, I have to do this because I, I'm afraid it comes from this place of fear of, okay, if I don't work out, then I'm going to get fat or I'm going to not lose as much weight or I'm going to. So I think it's kind of taking a step back of like, okay, what is my intention behind this? Is this fear-based thinking? Like, am I afraid of something? Am I afraid like I won't be enough? Or am I afraid of like some something that's going to happen um, versus am I saying I get to work out because I love my body and I want to take care of my body. And so if you find yourself in the situation where it's more so a fear-based thinking, I would definitely explore those thoughts of, okay, what, what am I afraid of? Like, where are those fears coming from? And, you know, there's a lot of deep work that you can do there too of, okay, well, do I have this belief? You know, it comes back to like our, those like self-limiting beliefs. Do I have this belief that no one will love me if this, this, and this. And so a lot of it comes back to, giving that love to yourself and saying, okay, I'm enough. I am worthy now. And that's, what's really fascinating is you have the manifesting world. That's like all about that comes first. Of I am worthy of this. Like I'm going to manifest this. And it's more about like our beliefs and our thoughts. And then you have like the atomic habits world. That's all about like do first and then you will become. Mm -hmm. And it kind of actually in all reality is in tandem a little bit. And I, I think both are important where sometimes people can't start or they start from this place of hate and that's, that's okay. Like if if you're starting from this place of, um, you know, maybe not the right sort of intention and it's more fear-based while you're starting and then you, you start doing it and then you can explore your thoughts and your fears behind that. And then you can kind of like change your intention behind it. Cause that's kind of, that's kind of like, honestly, the route that I had where like, I, I've always kind of worked out, but it's fascinating because now my intention and my mindset be behind all of the things that I do for my health are more out of love for myself. Um, But it's been this journey, right? It's not like you can just snap your fingers and be like, okay, I'm going to change my mindset and everything will be great. Um, Because some of it is kind of based on your emotions and your, those limiting beliefs behind that. And so first and foremost, um, I'd like to say, um, explore it with loving self-compassion 
And so that's kind of the key is it does the opposite if you're judging yourself while you're doing it. And I was totally guilty of that where I'd be like, I can't believe I'm doing this, you know? And then I'm like, and then, you know, I'd be like, well, if I'm like hating myself into this or judging myself into this, then that's like kind of defeating the whole purpose. And so again, like kind of using those phrases of, I get to do this. Like I get to work out. I get to eat healthy to nourish my body. And I love what you were talking about with your kids of even like around food of focusing on the nutrients in food. So um, we talked a little bit before we started this podcast, but I spent six months at an eating disorder clinic back when I was 20. And the really amazing thing about that experience was I got to literally for six months have a whole team behind me of focusing on eating for nutrition. And, you know, I like, I feel like I had some of the best coaching in the world around that aspect of things of kind of reframing my mind around food and really focusing on it is fuel for our bodies. And if we're not fueling our bodies, we can't show up for ourselves or other people as well. And so when that like really, really hit me one time when I was actually trying to decide if I wanted to go to the clinic or not. And I was so like, I was so, so deficient. Um, I was very underweight and I had hardly any energy because I wasn't feeling my body. And I remember thinking of all these things that I wanted to do, like all these people I wanted to help and these big dreams that I had. And I was just sitting there and I was like, I don't have the energy. Like there is no way if I continue my life like this, I don't have the energy for my body to do these things. And so that was kind of like my catalyst of, I need to go put my life on hold for six months and truly focus on my health so that I can show up for myself and other people and do all these things that I want to, because um, right now how I'm treating myself, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do that. Yeah. What a beautiful realization to have. And I, I think it's worth noting what you mentioned earlier. Was it your mom that made the comment that so many people have disordered eating patterns? Yeah. 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 So when we were at one of the family days, um, they were talking about what disordered eating is. And Mm -hmm. she was like, oh my gosh, I think like 95% of people actually have some sort of disordered eating just by the way that they talk about food and, you know, burning saying like, oh, I ate this donut and I have to go run 10 miles, um, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, it's something that that breaks my heart and also fuels me to keep doing what I do is mm-hmm. is hearing those throwaway comments that can be indicative of things that are so much deeper. And I I was just a part of a retreat that I put on a couple of weeks ago and we were together for an entire day and I started to take tallies of the types of comments mm. uh, without judgment because I I understand exactly, yeah. you know, in the society we live in, I I get why people say these things, but it's again, it, it's something that becomes just so habitual that they'll just say, oh my gosh, I've just, I ate so bad this last week. And it's like, we we feel mm-hmm. like we're, we're connecting with one another or acknowledging one of our weaknesses so that other people don't see it first and think us unaware that we don't know. Or right. I think there are so many reasons that people might say these things, but it is just woven into the fabric of, of our, of our minds, both women and men included that, that so much of our emotional life is 
intertwined with food and that can come at such a cost. Mm -hmm. And so for someone that has been through what you've been through, I think it's such a beautiful thing to, you know, be to the point that you, you know, were able to put your life on hold for six months and then to get to where you are now and to be at the point Mm -hmm. where maybe some of your actions are still the same. I know for me, like a lot of the actions, whether it's exercise or how I eat are, are similar to what they were 10 years ago, but the reason why and how they feel could not be more different. And mm-hmm. that's, that's yeah. because of all of the work that has been put into those disordered eating tendencies and the mindset and the emotional work. And, and so that's what I just appreciate so much about you with this idea of holistic health is, is making sure that you are taking into account all areas in order to avoid going down that very tempting at times slope of, mm-hmm. of those disordered eating tendencies. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. And yeah, I think, I think for me, I mean, if you would have told me a couple years ago, the term safety of like our bodies feeling safe, I would have been like, you're crazy. I don't even know what that means, but that's taken on a whole new meaning for me now of, you know, a lot of times when, when we don't feel safe within ourselves, especially if we've had some sort of trauma, physical, sexual, emotional, um, we tend to gravitate onto things that we can control. And so I, that was actually the very, very first thing. I remember this stuck out to me. The very first thing I remember exactly where I was sitting on this couch in our, my first meeting at the eating disorder clinic. And one of the counselors said, however you guys got here, whatever your past was, whatever your behaviors have been, whatever that looks like, just give yourself some self-compassion right now because everything that you have done or haven't done or, you know, like why you're here, it's been your body trying to keep you safe. And our bodies are these like amazing, resilient, like our brains and our bodies are amazing and resilient and they're fighters. And so with even like diseases that come up or behaviors or different things, like it's our body trying to keep us safe or send us a message or, you know, like somehow protect us. And so I think for me, really looking at my eating disorder as a way of like, I was, I was trying to, it was at a time in my life. I had a lot of, um, I mean, I didn't know the word trauma at the time, but I had a lot of like crazy things happen within about a year. And it was a lot for like a little 19 year old, 20 year old to take on. And I didn't know how to process that. I didn't know. And so I just turned to something that I could control and that was food and exercise. That's what I knew how to do. So ironically enough, I was a nutrition major. And so for me, that's where it's called orthorexia and then anorexia came in where it was like, okay, I know how to eat healthy. I know how to run. I know how to exercise. So I just took that to the extreme, the extreme, extreme, extreme. And it was like the, how I was trying to get back control and safety in my life But then the ironic thing out of all eating disorders and all addictions and all behaviors like that is that it starts out and it actually does kind of help, right? Like you feel good, you feel safe, and then it spirals. And then the irony of all of it is it actually does the opposite. And so again, like for me, it all comes back to that self-love, that self, like the safety, the connection that you have with yourself. And then you don't have to turn to those other things. And you can use those other things as, as more like out of self-love versus, okay, I'm trying to control. And it's fascinating because especially we as women, 
that's like usually our go-to is, okay, if I'm not feeling safe, if I'm not feeling secure, if I'm feeling like everything is in chaos around me, then I'm going to like try and control myself or I'm going to try and control my spouse. And that's like when women, we go into like hypercritical, hypercontrol mode. And it's really interesting. But if you understand that, then you can kind of like look at yourself with this compassion of, oh, I'm, I'm doing this. Okay. Not necessarily the why behind it, uh, but it's the what. Okay. What am I trying to, like, what emotion am I trying to mask right now? Or what pain am I trying to run from? And that's so beautiful. And I, I think what's important that you have emphasized here for me to reemphasize is eating disorders are a form of mental illness. And oftentimes it can be related to controlling how we look, no doubt about that. But coming from the perspective of trying to create safety for ourselves, now again, I am not, this is not necessarily my area of expertise, but this is kind of the way that my brain thinks about it, is if we think acceptance from those around us and safety comes from looking a certain way. If we look a certain way, if we behave a certain, if we eat certain foods, if we exercise in certain ways, then other people will accept us. Thus, we will be safer if we continue with these behaviors so that other mm-hmm. people accept us so that we're not shunned by, you know, I, I go down these rabbit holes of like, psychologically, it makes sense why women can just slowly incrementally go in those directions of thinking, right. this is a good way to live. This is a good way to think, to behave, to have these types of um, extreme behaviors that are in fact not helpful and are much more harmful than they are helpful. And um, I think looking at it that way brings up so much it opens up the space for compassion to be like, oh my gosh, I can mm-hmm. totally see why I was just trying to control my life because to my brain, that felt like what was going to keep me safest. And so I can see why I went down mm-hmm. that path, why I why I, I did those behaviors that from a distance might seem extreme and awful and, and hard to understand. Um, I know that so yeah. much of your healing from an eating disorder, as it is for anybody, is also incremental. You know, it's incremental going in and it can be incremental mm-hmm. coming out. And so it's something that happens uh, very slowly over time and can continually evolve and change. What else would you say has contributed to your healing that has led you to where you are now in having a very loving relationship with food that I imagine was not that way when you were 20 years old? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great question. And and I like what you said about the the body dysmorphia type stuff, because ironically enough, I actually didn't deal with that. I knew from a logical perspective that I was too skinny. Like I knew it. Like I knew that I actually looked worse. Like I was not helping myself, but it didn't matter to me. It was mm-hmm. just this, um, this emotional thing for me. And so that's what's interesting. I would get comments like everywhere when I got really, really low I would go to the grocery store with my mom or I would, you know, be somewhere and random people would come up to me and be like, you need to eat a hamburger. Like you are way too skinny. And I'm like, yeah, no, duh. <laughs> Thank you I for pointing that. out the obvious, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it was just, it was fascinating to me that like people would, I mean, they would judge me, right? Of like, oh, and it is interesting because the more and more you do learn about eating disorders or any sort of like addiction or mental illness or anything like that, there is a lot of pain behind it. And it's, it's, um, for me, what I've, what I've learned a lot is a lot of it comes back to the safety within ourselves, our nervous system, 
um, again, that like self-love and the self-compassion, but also the, um, the aligned action, like taking action and like having a purpose and being purpose-driven. So that's, um, on a side note, my word or my phrase this year is aligned action, because I think that, um, you know, I've, I've kind of been like learning a lot the last couple of years and healing too. And, um, and I think if, if we have kind of like our foundation set, of like mine personally is, um, living a, a God-centered life and, and creating love within myself and then trying to spread that love to other people. And so kind of looking at everything I'm doing by like, okay, is this aligned with that? Okay, great. I'm going to go. But if it's not, if I'm just doing it because I want to look a certain way, I want to, or I'm like afraid of something, if it's like more ego-based or fear-based, then I'm like, okay, I don't need that. And so, um, yeah, I think that that's, that's made a huge difference. I think along the way, uh, I mean, there have been, there's, there's the emotional and kind of like mindset side, but then there's also the tactical side of things, right? Of, I would say anyone who's trying to eat healthy, because that's the, that's the hard thing about eating disorders, right? It's, I mean, let's, let's take, um, I don't know, any other addiction, for example, or, or illness, let's take, um, like alcohol, for example, if you're trying to abstain from alcohol, then you don't go into bars, you don't have alcohol in your house, you don't go to parties, you, you refrain from people or areas where you could put yourself in a bad situation, right? The thing that's really, really hard about eating disorders is in certain ways, like some people, there's, there's different research out there that says it's a lifelong journey. Others say it's not. I personally think that it's a lifelong journey. There's always things that I'm like, I need to make sure I'm, I'm doing these things just to help keep myself in check. That's why I'm so passionate about the wellness and health stuff because I need it. Like, and so for me, um, eating, eating like small meals incrementally is really helpful for me. But if I'm traveling or if I'm busy, that's really easy to stop doing. And so that's where the tactical things come in of, okay, I need to be doing meal prep. Whenever I go on vacation, I always have snacks with me. Like I just always have food with me because then it's like too easy to just be like, oh, like oh, I forgot to eat, you know, or different things like that. And so I know myself, I know where like my, my hard things lie or when I get stressed, kind of like what my go-to is. And so I just put things in place for myself. And a big thing is always be prepared. And so um, I think that's like with anyone who's trying to eat healthier, it's like, that's the number one thing that I've seen is if you want to eat healthy, but you don't have healthy food in the house and you don't meal prep or you don't, or you go on vacation and you don't bring any sort of food with you, um, it's really hard. You're kind of setting yourself up for failure. So to set myself up for success, I, um, I journal in the mornings. I, I really focus on gratitude. So the whole, like I get to is so important for me where it's like, I get to love my body. I get to work out. I get to nourish my body with food. Like I get to do all these things and just like really focusing on like cultivating that love within myself and like being grateful for life. And I mean, I, we touched on my eating disorder a little bit, but like I, it was bad. I, I almost died. I was in the hospital. Um, and the doctor said 
with every, with where my body was, I should be dead. Like I, they said, you must have a really strong mission in this world because you like scientifically speaking, you shouldn't still be here. And so, um, yeah, that, that was, that was life-changing for me. Right. Of, um, just kind of like one of those, like get another chance type things. Um, and so, so yeah, I think making sure I'm setting up like my mindset with the, the gratitudes and like really focusing on it, I get to, and then I do get some sort of movement in every day. Like I probably, I lift a few times a week, but I always do some sort of walk or yoga or something just to get connected to my body. So that's what I, for me, movement is medicine and it helps me connect to my body and just really focus on the gratitude for my body. And then I also, with the food, from the food standpoint, I always get protein with every meal. I always am prepared. Like I, I have snacks with me. Um, and then the emotional side, uh, I, I definitely have been guilty of sweeping my emotions underneath the rug, which um, we kind of talked about pre-podcast of how big of a deal that is, like, especially from a recovery standpoint of I did a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a lot about mindset. Yeah. But I think even after the eating disorder clinic, there were still things that I probably did as like, instead of the eating disorder, I kind of just was like, oh, now I can control in this way, you know? And so mm-hmm. I think um, for, for me, like the true healing has really happened actually sort of in a gradual way of really like accepting myself, focusing on mindfulness, um, self-love, and again, doing things out of love versus trying to look a certain way or ego-based or anything like that. Like, um, I know I, I had to kind of, I, I went through this little exercise with myself where I, I kind of for a week, I went through anytime I would say the word should like, Oh, I should do this. Oh, I have to do this. And then I would be like, okay, where's that coming from? Right. Like, is that coming from like, Oh, I actually do really need to do that. Or is that coming from like, Oh, I have to do this. Cause I don't want to let that person down. And, you know, mm-hmm. and so it's, um, it's also been a lot of managing my energy and kind of like looking at my, my own energy as currency and where I'm spending that. Mm-hmm. And making sure I have enough to give back to myself versus like giving it too much away, you know, where you're like, you have nothing left for yourself. Man, that's so good. And I think too, to build on what you were saying earlier that I think can also make it difficult is when someone is struggling with an addiction like alcoholism, for example, most people are understanding when you say, I'm in recovery, I'm not drinking, you know, I need to not go to those places. But with eating disorders, it is a much more nuanced challenge because we mm-hmm. need to eat to survive. And like we were talking about earlier, a lot of times when people are eating quote unquote healthy, then they're praised, right? Whereas if an alcoholic was mm-hmm. drinking alcohol, someone would want to say, how can I help you? Let's get you out of here. Let's get you somewhere safe. But then someone that is struggling with that emotional relationship with food might be eating a salad, you know, or not eating at all. And that can be so easily praised. And it's one of those things that I think that's why it can be such a, a gradual healing process if someone is in that process, just because mm-hmm. it's it's truly learning that 
all food can be fuel and all food can be part of a healthy mm-hmm. life. And we can still use whole foods to support ourselves. We can also use other foods to make us happy if we want and all of it's okay. And I just think it's mm-hmm. such an important thing that because so many women have some degree of tendency of disordered eating patterns, and again, right. not everybody, but a lot do, uh, I think it's it's just one of the most important things that women can do to learn how to love their bodies, how to genuinely take care of their bodies, mm-hmm. how to fuel their bodies with a lot of nutrients and foods that make them happy, trusting that their worth doesn't change based on what they eat or how they look. Um, I think that if we did that for women, I think the world would just explode with female power because we would get out of our own way because there would be so Mm -hmm. much healing involved that, that has, you know, healing of wounds that have just been so painful for so many generations for women. Um, so all that to say, I, I just love the, the emphasis on all of it being loving. And I think having patience for any woman that is going through anything with their body, body dysmorphia, disordered eating patterns, um, you know, just trying to figure out who they are in the world that, being patient and learning yeah. to love yourself is is possible and available to anyone who wants to pursue it. Yeah. And I actually, what you just said reminded me of, we as women need to be advocates for each other because mm-hmm. I will say like, you know, sometimes we're the most judgmental on each other. And so, so looking at one ourselves, compassion, but I know for me, like I have no room to ever judge anyone for anything like at all. And so, um, I have, like, I have so much compassion and empathy for when I see like a woman who I can tell is struggling. It's not the like, Oh, like what's her problem. Right. It's like, Oh, what pain is she dealing with mm-hmm. that? She feels like she has to do this. And so, so yeah, again, if, if we can have that compassion on ourselves, but also then extend that to the women around us and, like there's so much healing power in cultivating women who are understanding and empathetic versus being judgmental and critical on each other. Because like, I know I've had that and I'm sure you've probably had experiences too, where it's like, oh my gosh, like we could, if we could just love and accept each other too, like that would be so healing and helpful. And so, so yeah, I think it's, it's good for one to understand ourselves, but also hopefully this will help other women understand. Cause I'm sure you know, everyone, I'm, everyone has some sort of friend, niece, aunt, like someone that they know that has or is struggling with something like this. And that you can feel kind of powerless in what to say, but I would say like, yeah, just that loving compassion and just asking them like, how can I help you? How can I love you? Like, um, and just accepting them for who they are is everything. Man, what a beautiful note to end on. Um, I'm holding back tears as you're talking. Um, Thank you so much for coming on, for having this conversation and for being so open with sharing your wisdom. Where can people find you? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. So my Instagram handle is Nikki.j.fitness. And then I also have a website building with vitality. So you can find me there. Awesome. And I know you've got a book that is in the works. So I encourage everyone to be on the lookout for when that comes through the pike, but so exciting. It is, it's everything, everything that we talked about of just empowering women to love themselves through the holistic wellness measures. So can't wait. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. You are amazing. Thanks so much for having me on. 
Are you ready to lose weight, but you don't know where to start? I have something for free that can help. Here at Brain Diet, I offer a free set your custom macros call. On this call, I'll want to know what your goals are and set you on the nutritional path to achieving them. This is a private call with me where I get all the information about you and your body so I can deliver a custom calorie and macronutrient count that when implemented will lead to weight loss in a kind and nourishing way. And if you're ready to hire a coach to walk you through every step of your weight loss journey, I'll tell you everything you need to know about that too. So if it's your time to start losing weight in a sustainable, healthy, and nourishing way, sign up for this free set your custom macro call at the link in the show notes. I'll see you soon. Thank you.